Let's just hang on. LeBron comes back. They make the playoffs. I feel good. It's probably not going to be the case. You know, it's interesting. We've spent a lot of time, Trista, trying to really figure out what teams you really have confidence in winning title this year, right? We talk about how wide open the West is. The East is more confident in Milwaukee and Boston out of those two teams. John Hollinger, who is a tremendous basketball man. Oh, so good. You I'm, know, you just followed me on Twitter. Look at that. I was, like, very stunned. We should just have him Maybe on Maybe we then. can get him on the podcast. Let po- him know we're talking show. about this. Yeah. I'd love to have him on. You can put him on your podcast, too, but he has to come on the show, too. Yeah, well, that's, that's what deal. I meant, this. No, you said podcast. I know well, but I, you know what I meant. You don't get to save it. You got to share. No, I'm, I meant okay. this. That's okay. what I meant. Just, just get frustrated. I meant this! That's what I was talking about. Why Fine. would I be talking about that I uh, publicly? I would be saying that in my head right. privately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, screw that. I'm going to get him on the podcast. Yeah, so the fact that I even brought it up shows that I'm trying to spread the sugar around. There you go. So. He narrowed it down to only three teams that we should essentially be comfortable with as a title contender this year. So here's some of the things that he pointed out, right? Because we look at all the different – we look at the Nuggets this year, first in the West. We look at the Grizzlies, and we see even the Sixers and the Cavs right now, and they're losing. But, you know, trying to look at the Suns. What it really comes down to, of the last 43 champions, 42 won at least 52 games. So of the last 43 years – you had to win at least 52 games to be an NBA champion. Now, prorated to an 82-game season, we obviously had two years that were shorter than 82 games, so there's some level of math that he put in there with that. Which, if you go back, it, last year's Warriors won just 53, and the Bucks won what was prorated 53 the year before that. When he breaks all of this down and looks at teams that have been to a title or a championship game already or been to the finals before and kind of set this bar of at least 52 wins... The three teams he put out, he said, so it's, I want to make sure I get this right, because it's like a lot of stuff that he put in here. Yes. But setting the bar for contenders, he says it's basically thin ground, and by his count, there are three teams with regular season resumes that passed history's test for a potential champion. The Milwaukee Bucks, they were the champions in 2021. They're projected to land 57 wins, so they've just have been, they've either won a title or been to the finals recently. The Boston Celtics finalists in 2022 projected to land at 57 wins this year in a top two seed and the denver nuggets which have never been to the finals but they're running away with the running away with the west projected to land 57 wins so you have to at least have at least 52 wins you have to recently have been to finals either won or been there and be a top three seed in either conference that's the other key is a top three seed that narrows it down a lot now it does take our dubs out of this which makes me upset i bet it makes john hollinger upset as well because truthfully, Golden State just kind of breaks the mold a little bit. Yeah. They do what they want to do. They're in the list because they were winning games and winning games and winning games in the regular season. They are a part of his criterion. They are one of the foundations of his history right. uh, because they were winning so many chips. So, yeah, I think that the Milwaukee and Boston is right. Uh, I think Milwaukee is a better team than Boston. I've said that all year. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see exactly what you've seen from them in prior years now that Chris Middleton's back. I think Boston's end-of-game offense is abysmal. They have a really hard time figuring the flow out. You saw that against Golden State. You saw that against Miami. You saw that against Milwaukee in the playoffs. And during the playoffs, your half offense is really, really important. And Denver... If you're just going with the 57-win projection, okay. And mm. they're the number one seed in the West. 
Right. But so was Utah when Utah won 60 games. Mm -hmm. And Utah, we saw that they had grave flaws. I love Jokic. I love Jamal Murray. I love Michael Porter Jr. But at the end of games, I'm not so sure that their defense is going to be able to hold up. I'm not so sure that Jamal Murray is someone I want with the ball in his hand down the stretch because you can trap him and he's making bad decisions. Oh, he's been a turnover machine. I would probably give my dubs a better chance than the Denver Nuggets. Oh, man, that sounds bad, but it's true. I mean, if you had to, if you look at three teams, right? Yeah, I'm with you, Boston and Milwaukee. We've already said sure, those yeah. are teams. At, they're on a collision course for the Eastern Conference Finals. If you replaced the Nuggets with the Warriors, who now are the fifth seed in the West and are about to get Steph Curry back in a few games, yep. they're trending back up. For and, sure. and they had a rough regular season last year, up and down, yes, missing did. Clay for a portion of it, then he came back. Steph was out for some time. Draymond was out for a good bunch. And you realize games. that offense, they, those guys, did they play more than like 20 minutes together on the floor the entire season? I don't think they actually played at all together, Draymond Green. Thompson and Steph Curry. Until the playoffs? They in, didn't see a single minute out there? I think there. maybe like 30 seconds when Draymond came, came in on Christmas the, game, Christmas Day. So they didn't even, I mean, again, they've been there, so you knew the chemistry would be there. Yep, so They didn't play like any real time together. They are in a similar situation, if not not as dire as what it was last year, because we've seen them out on the floor more together. And I think what happens, actually, is that the fact that you have these big star players out for many games... You have Steph Curry out for, what, 20-something games now. You have Draymond Green, who has shouldered the burden. Last year, you know, Klay Thompson was out. What that helps you do is solidify who your real role players are. Mm -hmm. Who is the real deal? Patrick Baldwin Jr. now is starting to play really well. Dante DiVincenzo had 21 last night against the Blazers. You have Pat, uh, Jonathan Kaminga as well, who played Nasty really dunk. well. He looked good. So you have these role players who wouldn't have gotten as much opportunity with the stars in the regular season that are now getting impactful minutes, which is very important down the stretch in the playoffs. And if you look too, right, we t how the rest of it seems so spread out, I and mean, you've got a jumbled up Eastern Conference and Western Conference. I yep. mean, both of it is jumbled up after the top couple of seeds. I mean, you kind of with these spread out standings, there's actually the potential for fewer 50-win teams this year. We're going to see a lot of teams that are higher seeds than you normally would under 50 wins, where really only three teams with at least 52 wins, if that's what it turns out to be, would be the lowest since 1979. So you got the very top. Then you got some of these other teams, you know, down in the middle where there's you've had they've had portions this year, whether it's uh, Phoenix or it becomes, you know, even the Cavs or, you know, the Knicks now climbing. They just won tonight. Were they, they're they better now or they're in at least a better position now like where the Suns are, but you got to make up. I piled up a ton of losses already this season where I, I think everything he said is is interesting and it gives you a gauge and it really solidifies the Celtics and Bucks as two teams. For sure. But it also may be thrown out the window just as a guide. And he mentions that in there too, that because this has been such a unique spread out games and so many teams jumbling and up and down in the standings that the formula may not work for trying to find any other team that could still potentially win a title. Yeah, I. that's why it's kind of hard as a real blueprint because this year is so different. So why would I use C as my measuring stick in a very abnormal mm -hmm. year? I wouldn't. That's just not what I would do. I think it brings reassurance for yeah. two of the teams that we liked. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any other team in the in the teams in the East that I trust. The Sixers keep getting thrown around because of the 
roster that they have and the expectations. But we look at a team lost twice at home to conference rivals this past week. They got, I mean, they played Miami. I know, I know tonight was a different story. They won handily. But, I mean, Miami, that a game the other night, that was abysmal. They, they should have run away with that game. They still have Milwaukee twice, Phoenix, uh, Denver, Golden State, uh, you know, Miami, Dallas. Like, that's, that's all on the Sixers' schedule. It's going to be tough down the stretch for them. We are going to know who the Sixers are by the time we get to the playoffs. Yeah, and then some, right? Yeah. We're going to have to see how James Harden looks in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We know what his reputation is. Mm -hmm. Tyrese Maxey's going to need to step up. How do those rotations work? What is Doc Rivers going to do? I think the Sixers could you know, realistically be one of those teams that you look at and say the process is sort of over with. If you face – if the Sixers were to face someone like the Knicks – I don't think that's a good situation. Knicks are winning that series. The they Knicks just won are, their seventh straight tonight. The Knicks are a very tough team. I just don't think it's like a cupcake series for the Sixers, especially mm -hmm. if Joel Embiid, God forbid, because he's been injured pretty much every postseason, God forbid something happens to him, or God forbid James Harden's not himself. So, yeah, for the Sixers, I can't ever call them a contender until they show me that they can go to the finals. I've never, never been comfortable with the Sixers. No. You, you just can't. And, you know, we saw so much panic this year from teams now some of it was panic may not be the right word it's like aggressive maybe it's a it's an optimistic panic where you go okay we have a chance to win we've just we've got to go out and sacrifice picks yeah, we've got to go out and make moves yeah there's a level of greed you know that you have an opportunity i mean we had keith smith on earlier this season i mean he was like look there's like 10 teams that feel like they have a shot to win a title that doesn't happen in normal years no and that's why we got the Kevin Durant trade. That's why we got the Kyrie Irving trade. And Dallas, that was far more desperate than, oh, than yeah. what Phoenix did because you're going to have Kevin Durant out there for a while. Like, he's under contract. Kyrie's a free agent at the end of the year. They're like, we just need somebody to show Luka that we're at least trying right now. But these big contenders, like, they're not just looking at the trade market, but then there's also Russell Westbrook and, and Terrence Ross, who are castoffs from other teams. Russell Westbrook, Ty Lue was like, I'm inserting you in the starting lineup. Like, that's how desperate the Clippers are right now to just add an extra piece that's going to help them. I had uh, Dave DeFore on from The Athletic today, and he, he covers the NBA for them. He does the Daily Ding, Ding podcast, and he does the back-to-back -back podcast for them. And he said he believes that this will go down, the trade for Kyrie, will go down as the beginning of the end. That's where we know. That is the demarcation point of the demise of the Mavericks. This is when they traded pieces away. They mm -hmm. don't have anything left. The cupboard will be dry this offseason. They will not re-sign Christian Wood. And what will they have left? They will have Reggie Bullock. They will oh, have Tim yeah. Hardaway. They will have Maxi Kleba. They will have no one in the backcourt except for Luka. And Luka will start to look around and, and be like that Will Smith meme when he walks into yep. the empty house. Yep. And then you start to wonder, is this the end? Uh, and when Luka's contract is complete or maybe before then he is gone and that is a very daunting desperate inducing psychology right and I think that's right I think it's right I can imagine Luca trying to recruit people and then realizing like oh we have nothing I can't actually make this happen we have to somehow pull off a trade oh wait we don't have any assets oh we don't have first-round picks oh we don't have cap space and that's when that desperation really starts to kick in. Because like, yeah. players don't always think about that during the season. 
It's just I want to get guys to come play with me. They think about like you can make this happen. Let's make somebody just 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 let's make a trade. And then you when you start to find out how it works, what your team has available, and that's when the frustration will will start to kick in. And at at that point, I mean, if Luca asks for a trade, my God, it's going to be like a Juan Soto haul. Yeah, it's, it's like the Kevin Durant thing. It's going to be an insane Only amount younger. of picks. Yeah, an insane amount of picks. How many picks? I would I would imagine four first round picks at least. Maybe well, at five. least maybe five. But I think it's six because he's so young. Well, it would have to be swaps because you can't just trade to make consecutive yep. ones. So you would there have has to, to be do swaps. Like... But also, he, the question is, he's not under team control for that long. Right. So if he's going to ask out in a year, then it's less. Then it's maybe four first mm-hmm. round picks. Maybe it's a James Harden like haul that the Brooklyn Unless Nets gave up. Unless there's players involved, you could get some players yep. back, get some young players at least, like, yeah, like the Nets got for mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. But it's, the clock's ticking. And that that trade Luke on the OKC Thunder would be fun. Shea, yeah. Luka, Chet. But we're seeing now that guys that play on the ball, it's hard to play with Luka. True. That's going to be the problem. I think that's going to continue. And like I said, Nick, it's not so much whether the player that plays with Luca has trouble, it's the fact that Luca has trouble because he wants the ball. He does. Hand. I he know. does. It is he's true. more of a ball hog. Yeah, because he's used. See, this is the issue though for him. He's been so much better than everybody else his entire career, at least that who's been on his team. That yeah. he's not used to sharing the floor with somebody of Kyrie's caliber. That's why yep. they're one in four now. And with he both keeps deferring more at the end, and he's going off in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And maybe it should be the opposite. Yeah. But you kind of want to get yourself going. But Luca, you're a microwave. You can go off at any time. You don't Meanwhile, need... Jason Kidd's just like, I'm not out there. I'm just I'm just sitting, sitting here watching. No, we need a coach that actually can figure this out, you dope. He might be one of the worst. He's I terrible. thought he was going to be good, and he's, he's not just a good not. coach. He hasn't been a good coach anywhere. It always ends poorly. The Bucks basically were – the Nets were ready to give him away. They're just like, Bucks, you want him? Yeah, take him, please. I don't understand how we have one of the most elite leagues in the world and yet there's so many retreads. Mm-hmm. There's so many bad coaches that just sit there and they crack under pressure. You're seeing the erosion of a man in Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd knew how to play, but it doesn't mean you know how to relay that information yep. and understand how to coach. It's going to be two different things. Yep. And that's Luca needs a coach that can understand, one, the type of player that he needs to play with. But then on top of that, figuring out how to maximize, like you said, not just deferring, no one to defer, no one to actually go out there and take over. It's a hard balance. It is.